Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Okay, if you're new to the church, we're glad you're here. Uh, we hope that this morning will bless you. Um, a Sunday school class, and they had a teacher, and this teacher felt he was going to uh, get something of value into the kids. And he decided he's going to teach them the Apostles' Creed. Now, many people don't know what that is, but it was something that was uh, written thousands or hundreds of years ago, not thousands, hundreds of years ago with the purpose for us to have a clear and precise declaration of what we believe. It's from the Council of Nicaea, and the purpose of it was so that the, the church can form unity. So this Sunday school teacher decided it's a great idea. All the kids, they need to learn the Apostles' Creed. And what they were going to do is they're going to learn it in Sunday school, and then one Sunday... They will all stand in church or be in church in random places. And then what will happen is they will all stand up and say their line in the congregation so that everybody at the end of it would be amazed at all these kids that know the Apostles' Creed. They wouldn't say the whole thing. Each one of them will just say one line and then it goes on to the next. So finally the day arrived. Uh, all the kids were wearing their Sunday school, best Sunday clothes because they're going to be featured in church. Hair was combed to the side. Very neat looking young people. And they started with the service. And the first little boy stood up and he said, I believe in one God, the Father, Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And he sat down. And the moment he sat down, the next little girl stood up and said, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord and Savior. And then she sat down. And then there was a long, awkward silence where nothing happened. And eventually the little girl that just stood up before stood up again. And she said, I'm sorry, but the boy who believes in the Holy Spirit is absent today. He's not here. And what I wonder is, even though it's funny, I wonder if that could be said of some of us today. The ones who believe in the Holy Spirit, it's not here today. They're not present. So we are starting a series, um, and the series is called Trinity. The Holy Trinity. And it's called the Father, Son, and who? And they said I had to say it that way, otherwise people wouldn't understand what I'm trying to say. The Father, Son, and who? Because we do think that's how many people think about the Holy Spirit. So let's do a little experiment just to see kind of where we're at. If I have to ask you, now what I want you to do is, if, if this is you, I want you to stand up and you're going to sit down again. Okay, so, so here's the first question. If I have to ask, how many of you feel that you've got a fairly good grasp on God the Father? Kind of his purpose, what he does, who he is. If that's you, stand up. Okay, and sit down again. Okay, great. Great. There, there's a lot of us that know quite a bit about God the Father. That's fantastic. Okay, if I have to ask how many of you feel that you've got a fairly good grasp of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and what His purpose was? 
How many of you would feel, stand up if that's you? Wow, look at that, eh? Fantastic, most of us. Great, yeah, let's sit down again. Okay, now, here's the last one. If I have to ask you, if you feel you know what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is, please stand up. Please stand up. Please stand up. Way fewer people. Let's sit down again. Now, I do not think there's one person in here that fully grasps any of those. I don't think any of us know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in, in fullness. I don't, think, I don't think we will ever, not I don't think we will ever, we won't ever. But we can definitely grow in our understanding of who they are. And the purpose of the teaching on the Holy Spirit is, I want all of you to, to um, we're going to go for nine weeks on this. And some of you are going, nine weeks on the Holy Spirit. Uh, don't go find another church for nine weeks. Just stay with us. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to start stepping into shallow water. And by shallow water, I mean I'm going to give you biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit. Shallow water. Things that we can grasp, figure out ourselves. And as we continue on, we are going to have a deeper and deeper, and the hope is deeper understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what He does for us in our lives. And why you want him. So we are going to wade into the water. We, we're going to take it nice and slow and steady and easy. Because I, my goal for all of us is that at the end, we will be a body that, that not only knows about the Holy Spirit, but that we live him out every day of our lives. So for some believers, their knowledge of the Holy Spirit and their experience with the Holy Spirit could be kind of likened to the same as the church that Paul speaks about in Acts, the church of, of Ephesus. In, um, Paul was in Corinth, and then in Acts chapter 19, Paul makes his way to Ephesus, and he encounters some believers in Ephesus. Believers meaning these people have accepted Christ, the, the message of salvation. They've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then Paul asks them this question. He says to all of them, have you received the Spirit since you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard so much whether there is a Holy Spirit. See, they have this very shallow, shallow understanding of what salvation is and what salvation means. And experience with the Holy Spirit was zero. They didn't even know who He is, what His purpose was. And I do think there are many people who are like that. I think there's a lot of Christians who've heard the word Holy Spirit. I think there are many Christians that have said the words Holy Spirit. For some people, they even struggle to say the word Holy Spirit. Um, and then there are some who have this vague idea of who the Spirit of God is and what He's supposed to do in our lives. They've heard preachers talk about it. They've heard other Christians talk about it. They know the words, but sadly, that's as deep as it gets. And the Holy Spirit isn't real in their lives. A.W. Tozer said the following, The idea of the Holy Spirit to the average church member is so vague as to be non-existent. For the average church believer, so, so let's just break that down for Canada. So in Canada, we have 4% of Canadians that attend church on Sundays. 
Population of 37.5 million people, 4% of them attending church, just over 2.5 million people. No, let me redo that. 72% of Canadians would say if they are of any faith, they are Christian. Out of the 72% that say they would be Christian, 4% attend church. And that 4% equates to approximately 2 million people across Canada attending church on Sundays. Okay, 2 million people out of a 37 million population. In that 37 million, or in that 2 million, or let's go to the 72%, most of them, the Holy Spirit is non-existent in their lives. They know nothing about Him. They don't know what His purpose is. Um, And in fact, some of them are actually afraid of Him. They are afraid. Some of them, when you mention Holy Spirit, they tense up. And they think, oh, It's one of those kind of churches. (laughs) Yeah. Just wait. (laughs) I just want to say, don't run ahead, anybody. Be patient. And, And the reason is because they're scared that something might happen. That if you open the door to the Holy Spirit, if you say the word Holy Spirit, weird things are going to happen. Many people are scared of that. So in my introduction for this week, what I want to do is I want to make mention of what I call two different extremes that we find in the body, two different extreme views in regards to this beautiful person, the Holy Spirit. And you will discover as we go for the next nine weeks that we, we are somewhere in the middle of this, which I think is the right place to be. I do want to say from the beginning, you do not have to agree with everything that I'm saying. I will not agree with everything you are saying. That's okay. But we have grace for each other, and our purpose as a body together is to grow in our relationship with God. Can we say that's our purpose? We want to know more about God. I want more of Him in my life because He's got great plans for us. So so if that can be our agreement, I believe that we can can really... um, do well on this topic. Now, if you are one of these two groups, these extreme two groups that I'm going to mention right now, don't be offended. The intention is not to offend you. The intention is to bring light. Um, So you can determine if that's where you want to be or not. So the first group, the first extreme group we find at the one end, they are called cessationist. Cessationist. Everybody want to say that? Cessationist. Yeah. So a cessationist, it comes from the word which means to cease. To end. A cessationist believes that there is a cessation, an end of the powerful movement of the Holy Spirit. Like we read about in the book of Acts, and the, the, the movement that the early church experienced, a cessationist believes that it ended at the end of that era. They would read about the works of the Holy Spirit. Um, they would wonder about it. They would wonder about Paul's instruction about it, but they believe it ceased and it is over. That stuff doesn't happen anymore. That what was happening there was relegated to the first church specifically with the purpose to advance God's kingdom and for the church to grow. It was only for the early church. In fact, they actually liked the idea of the Holy Spirit pointing to Jesus. Holy Spirit is a pointer to Jesus. They like that idea. But they don't like the idea 
of anything pointing to the Holy Spirit. But like the idea, Holy Spirit's pointing, but don't point anything towards Him. They like that um, you can kind of position yourself in a way where you can talk about Jesus, but don't talk about the Holy Spirit in church or in a congregation because something might happen. There, there is a legitimate fear in many of them, and they are called cessationists. Here's the problem with cessationists. Now, let me just, uh, some of you might go, yeah, no, that's not me at all. Okay, let's examine. On a daily basis, in your life, are you consulting God's Spirit about your decision making, about what you are doing, where you are going, directions I should take? Are you, are you constantly focused? Are you checking your decision making, your, your conversation, your counsel, your work, your contracts that you sign or decline? Are you checking with Him consistently? Or is he absent and only, only present when we read about him on Sundays and then you are not really present in that also? So, so that's a cessationist. I do think we, we with, without saying it, there are many of us who are that. Now, here's the problem with a cessationist, if, if that is us. The problem with the cessationist is the Bible. That's your biggest problem. Because the Bible is filled with teachings about the Holy Spirit. It's filled with instructions. It's filled with examples in the Old and New. When we look at the Old Testament, there are 90 examples, 90 mentions uh, at different times with, with different designations for the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there are over 260 mentions of the Holy Spirit or designations towards Him. So He is all over the Bible. So you can't neglect the Holy Spirit and tell me you accept the Bible. The scripture is filled with it from Genesis to Revelations. In Genesis 1, we see verse 2, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. In Revelations 22, it says, the Spirit and the bride say, come. And everything in between works together towards that. So on the one hand, we have the cessationists. People who don't believe the Spirit is active, don't believe the Spirit is present. He's not here for us today. He was for the disciples, for the early church. That's why he was there. Now we are on the other hand. <laughs> and the other extreme, they are called the sensationalists. They're all about the Holy Spirit. You mention the Holy Spirit to this group, man, they start salivating. It's like they start foaming at the mouth. Like, yeah. Yeah, finally this church gets it. You know how many times I've heard that before? I honestly have. Like, we, we've had messages where I would preach something about the Holy Spirit, and somebody would come afterwards to me, and they've been here for years, and they go, like, finally you get it. And I'm like, hmm. Thank you. But they're like, just give me some Holy Ghost. And, and these people are, are kind of fun to be around at times. And, and they, they are, um, I think, like both. I do not doubt the sincerity of the desire for God in either of the two groups. 
I do believe that many of them are sincere in their pursuit and their desire for the anointing, right? They even say it weird. <laughs> they do. <laughs> do you have the anointing? It's like an accent that you pick up. For this group, the phenomenon, the experience, the, the uh, you know, if there's nothing strange happening in a service, the Holy Spirit wasn't working. We used, when we planted the church, um, I remember I was sitting one day with Garnet who's doing our sound. And I said to Garnet, I don't understand. It's as if we've attracted every strange person that live in a 50-mile radius to this church. And what's weird is most of them are still here. No. 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 We, we attract, you know, like I would, like just to give you an idea of this for me as a sensationalist. Is I would be busy preaching and somebody at the back of the room starts um, crowing like a rooster in the middle of a message. And I'm like, what is going on? And they would tell me that's the Holy Spirit because that's how he moves. And I'm like, no, he was busy speaking already because I prepared the whole week for what God wants to do for this congregation. And he never told me that there's going to be a rooster interrupting me. But for them, the experience is so valuable. And unfortunately, based on some experience with so many people, um, what we've had is, is for many of them, the experience, it, it's not causing growth in them at all. We had, when maybe you had it also, we had this, this school experiment in the science um, um, lab in school. I remember this really well. It's like a little locomotive that they have, and then you plug it in, and then you pour water into it, and then after a while, this locomotive makes a whistle. Right? It just whistles. And, and I remember it was one of the coolest little things that we had, and the experiment was about hot air that will produce. It comes flowing. And anyway, it's something I can't remember. It wasn't a good teacher. Um, but, but the thing about this thing was the whistle was so cool. It was so nice to hear the whistle. But the train never went anywhere. The wheels never turned. There was never any movement. It stayed at the same spot it is at. And we've seen people. We've been in services um, where we have people that, that's, you know, they just want to come and experience the Holy Spirit. And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, that's fantastic. And my expectancy, the times that I've had, I want to say, experiences with the Holy Spirit where I felt Him present and touching me, those, every single one of those have been life-altering events in my life. Where I get up or go out from there, when I was 19 years old, I had my first encounter with God in church. Before that, I grew up in a religious environment where they spoke about God, knew about God, but I never knew that God wanted to have a personal relationship with me. And I was in this service, and for the first time, the pastor preached about God wants to know you personally, and he's given us a helper. His name is the Holy Spirit, and he wants to live in you. And I remember standing there for the first time hearing this, and I, I went Holy Spirit, if, if that's really you, God says that you only give me good gifts. I want you. And I stood in that service for two hours. Service was done. I was still there. I'll never forget it. Because it was real. My life changed so radically because of it. I went back to university, busy studying teaching. And all I could read was the Bible because that's the only interest I had. I believe Holy Spirit moments are life-changing. Because otherwise, our God is weak. And He's not. 
So I really believe that, that there are many whistles that we've seen in churches, and some of those whistles are upsetting, and some of them are, are distracting, and some of them are actually not pointing towards Jesus or God. Instead, pointing towards us. Can you see my experience with him? You should all admire that. And that is not the purpose of it. That is not the purpose of why we want the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, we are going to study the Holy Spirit. It's called pneumatology. We used to be called Pneuma Church. <laughs> and just the name in itself actually scared a lot of people. That people didn't want to come to our church because we were called Pneuma. We called it Pneuma because of what we saw in Genesis 1. Which said that God breathed into Adam. The Hebrew word is Ruach. The Greek word is Pneuma. And the reason we chose Pneuma as a church name was it is the life of God in us. We want to be a church that has the life of God. We did not choose Pneuma because of pneumatology. We chose it because we want to be a church that's alive. So what we then realized after 10 years is that, that God um, wants us to have a greater influence. And we should not hold on to a name so tight that we are not willing to follow his plan. That's why we changed it into Life Church. Because we want to be a church that people are, will come to and not be scared of simply by a name. So, so the study of the Holy Spirit is called pneumatology, the, the, the theology on the Holy Spirit. So where do we start? Where do we start with the study? And, and I had many thoughts. There, there's so many places where we could start about it. We can start in Genesis 1. We can start in Matthew chapter 1, verse, verse 18, where um, it says the Holy Spirit is first mentioned in the New Testament. It says that Mary was found with child by the Holy Spirit. could definitely start there. But I thought the best place to start and to begin is by listening to the words of Jesus himself. If you are here and you are a Christian, it, it means that you are a Jesus follower. You follow him, right? So, which means for us, we are going to follow his instruction that we have in his word. So from Jesus' mouth, he gave us incredible information regarding the Holy Spirit. So we're going to start in John chapter 14. We're going to do some chapter 15, 16 um, throughout the series. And we'll be referring back to back and forth between this. So, so let's start there. Let me just set the scene quickly. This is Jesus' last meal. It's last time, last conversation with his disciples. He knows that he's heading towards being arrested, being crucified, being um, dying, being buried, being resurrected. And then he knows he's going to spend 40 days with them. But this, they don't know this, this part of it. They know right now, they don't even know that Jesus is really going to die. They're trying to convince him not to say that. But Jesus knows, these are my last moments with you. Now, if you've ever been at the deathbed of somebody, um, I don't know how many of you have ever been at a deathbed. Other people in the deathbed sarcastic. Um, you know, lighthearted, or do they really want to convey their last moments of feeling and experience and wisdom and love and concerns, or whatever it might be on their heart, that, that last message that you want to give to somebody in that last moment. This is Jesus knowing, these are my last moments with these guys. 
So the message he's going to give them, I feel is probably one of the most important messages, more important than Sermon on the Mount. Most important message that he could give them before he goes. So that's where we are right now. This divine coach is going to give his men information that he knows they need before he leaves. So in John 14 verse 15, he said to them, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. And we're going to get to that another uh, next week. Such an amazing word. I will pray and the Father, he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. He will be a witness of me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So, so you have to understand the process here. He's saying the Holy Spirit, the helper is going to come. And he's going to tell you things about me. And you are actually going to go, whatever he tells you about me, you are going to go, yeah, that's true. Why? Why are you going to go, that's true? Because you were with me also already. He's going to confirm what you've experienced. It's not going to be different truth. He's not going to tell you something different about me. He's going to tell you things about me where you are going to go, yes, I've seen that. I know that. We were there. John chapter 16, verse 6. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will not take, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and he will declare it to you. Now, what I want to do today, just from these scriptures, we're going to refer to them back and forth throughout this whole series a lot. But what I want to do today is I want to make one statement, and we're going to expand on it over the next three weeks. We're going to start today, next week, and the week after. Because I do think it's important for us to have the right understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. So here's the statement. The Holy Spirit, if you, if you only get this, this will help you already. The Holy Spirit is a divine person who helps us. That's what we're going to talk about. The Holy Spirit is a divine person who helps us. How many of you think we need help to live in the world that we're living in today as believers? Amen? For sure. 
We need all the help we can get. The Holy Spirit is a divine person who comes to help us. So now, let's just take that apart, uh, apart and let's look at the first part. of The Holy Spirit is a person. This is so critical for us as a church to understand. He is a person. And a person has a personality. And one of the things we immediately notice in the words of Jesus is he doesn't say that the Holy Spirit, when it comes, he says, when the Holy Spirit, when he comes. And then he continues, he says, he will, not it will. And that is because the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. Star Wars, may the force be with you. He's not a power ball you are forming in your hand and throwing to somebody. The Holy Spirit is, is not some kind of cosmic consciousness that we have about the great spirits. That's not Him. The Holy Spirit is, is not, not a ball of fire that comes into the room. He's not, not things falling from the sky with diamonds, or which would be nice, um, or gold or whatever. That is not the Holy Spirit. He is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. And it's important that, church, that churches understand, we as the church understand when we worship, we worship the person, Jesus Christ. In the Trinity, the Father, and the person, the Holy Spirit. Church history felt throughout, like in 100 um, um, BC, there were councils set up so that this part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the value, the person of Him is protected. Because people try to make less of Him. He is a person. Let's look a little bit deeper. There are certain attributes that are ascribed to the Holy Spirit by Jesus. If you look at chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said, The Holy Spirit will teach you all things. So what, what will He do? He will teach. He will teach you. Chapter 15, 26. He will testify of me. In chapter 16, verse 8, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Same chapter, verse 13. He will guide you. He will speak. He will tell. These are all the things that the person wants to do in your life. A couple of verses after that, verse 15, chapter 16. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All of these are activities of a person with a personality. So he is a personality because he is a person. And personalities have personality traits. Here are some of his. From the Bible, the Holy Spirit is said to have a mind, a will. It is said that from the Bible that the Holy Spirit loves that the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. And only a person can do that. It says also that he is grieved in Ephesians 4. It says that the Holy Spirit is insulted in Hebrews 10, 29. And it says that the Holy Spirit can be lied to in Acts 5. So as a person with a personality, any relationship with God is going to include the Holy Spirit. You can't have a personal relationship with God without Him. And another part is you can't have a personal relationship with a force. You can't have a personal relationship with electricity. You could, but that's strange. 
or with energy or with atomic energy or with gravity. You can't have a relationship with gravity. You can't insult or lie to an impersonal force. All of these are ascribed to the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where I just want to touch on this, and I, and I want to be kind in this. But this is really where I think, you know, the enemy is so strategic. So he creates these two extremes. The one extreme, let's deny him completely. Let's convince them that he's not there at all. And let's create the other extreme where, where we forget that he is a person. And let, let them just focus on the power. And let them seem weird and crazy. So instead of attracting people to the kingdom, they will actually repel them. The charismatic movement have made errors. They have. Charismatic, charismatic, means the attraction of grace. That's, if you are a charismatic, that's actually what the word means. It means that you are attracting God's grace. But for some people, charismatic has become a swear word. Something you do not want to be associated with. Because it's been polluted. So, the charismatic movement have erred. And I'm not saying everybody, everybody has done it. But, but unfortunately, it's like one of those things. People don't talk about your successes or your victories or, you, or the things that you do well. They point towards your mistakes more. And the problem is that becomes front and center and it's pushing people away. But it, it, it has made an error in the sense of making the Holy Spirit all about power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's about the power. Seeking the power. I've heard um, terminology over the years that we need more of it. Yield to it. Yield to the power of, of the Holy Spirit. Just yield to it. And what they mean by it is the power of the Holy Spirit. Just yield to it. Man, I've been in services where I've been so uncomfortable. I'm telling you, according to Scripture, don't seek power. Seek the person. He's a person. He's not just a powerful entity. He's not a cosmic force. He's a real divine, which we'll get into next week, person. Seek the person. A hundred years ago, uh, R.A. Torrey wrote a book. I think one of the best books on the, on the Holy Spirit. It's called The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit. And he writes the following. Man, and this hit me again when I read it this week. They are reaching out after. Now, now listen to this. They are reaching out after and struggling to get possession of some mysterious and mighty power that they can make use of in their work according to their own will. But the Holy Spirit is to get hold of them. We must rejoice that there is no divine power that being so ignorant as we are, so liable to error and mistake, that there's no divine power that we can get hold of and use. How appalling might the results be if there were. Can you imagine if God said, here's my power, take and use it as you see fit. Goodness gracious me. 
He also said this, the Holy Spirit is not a blind, impersonal influence or power that comes into our lives to illuminate, sanctify, and empower them. No, He is immeasurably more than that. He is a holy person who comes to dwell in our hearts. So the question can never be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit in my life? The question should be, how can the Holy Spirit get hold of more of my life? That's the issue. It's His will. It's His power. It's His hand to direct us. What are you saying? Can you imagine if it was about gaining power? Just getting the power. God, I'm going to pray for your power to come. He said, can you imagine just the terrible results that will come from that? Because we are a people who walk in error and in mistakes. That's why it's not a power source we are tapping. Oh God, just give me power. No, it is a person. Because that divine person knows the will of God. And that's what we should be after. So the Holy Spirit is a person. That's the first statement in the sentence. For some of us, um, this makes no sense to us. And I understand that. It feels beyond our understanding, beyond our comfort zone to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. It feels beyond me, is what some of you might say. It just doesn't feel that real to me. It's like it doesn't make sense. I'm going to finish with the story. Uh, There was a man in um, solitary confinement. His cell was pitch black, but he had a single marble with him. And so in that solitary confinement, he, would, he, he couldn't see anything. It was pitch black around him, and he could only hear. He could hear the marble drop, bounce, and then he could find it. So what he would do to pass the time and to prevent himself from going crazy is he would throw the marble up, Um, And when it bounces down against the walls, you will find it again. Listen to the sound and try and find it again. Just keep himself sane. So one time he did exactly that. He sat up in his cell, threw the marble up into the air, and it didn't come down. Sat up and tried to figure out what is going on. He thought, maybe I just didn't hear a drop. Searched the bottom of the cell floor, couldn't find it. Was nowhere to be found. He tried to think about how it is possible. And eventually he went crazy, he went nuts, and he killed himself. He died in his cell. The guards came into the cell to remove the body. Brought some lights in because it was pitch black. And when the guards were taking out his body, there was a little twinkle towards the ceiling that grabbed their attention. And as they looked up, they noticed the marble caught in a spider's web. The one God said, isn't that amazing? How was that spider able to get that marble all the way up there? Now, for some of us, this is a theological marble that just hasn't come down yet. I think it's probably the biggest theological marble in many cells is the understanding of the Holy Spirit. But I want to ask you, if you stay with us for the next nine weeks, 
and see where the Bible instruction takes us. I don't think at the end you're going to completely understand, but I think you're going to find a marble. But it's going to take a journey together. I want to encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Uh, And we thank you that your word comes to bring freedom. And um, it's like a breath of fresh air. That that when your word is presented to us with the intention to bring life. Father, I've experienced in my own life so many times where you've revived me. It's almost like you are the air that carries the, the, the kite. And that helps us to soar. And I want to pray for every person in here that, that your air, your breath will come into our lives. Some of us have never opened ourselves up to it before. And um, I want to pray that you will come and Holy Spirit, you're the one that speaks to every heart. That you will come and still the fears. Um, and that you will reinforce what your word is. Testify of Jesus in it. And also, whatever is not from you, God, I pray that, you'll, that you would remove it from us. Uh, We want a firm foundation, a solid ground to build our lives upon. So I pray that, that you will, throughout the next nine weeks, speak to every single one of us individually about your plans, your purposes, and about your spirit. Uh, We love you, God. You are so good to us. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Um, So, praying, and um, while I'm praying, uh, I kind of see see that... uh, um, God is what he's going to do is I don't know if you've ever seen um, over Christmas Irma do she so creative with our decorations she will take candy and she would completely destroy them um, by making them decorations which we can't eat then anymore but but she would stick um, toothpicks through through these these um, um, jelly beans and what do you call it those jupe jupes jupe jupes sticks you know. Uh, the, the reality, what I honestly feel what God's going to do over the next nine weeks is um, we can't eat the jujube with the, the, the spikes in them. We can't. I believe what God is saying is, is every week he's going to remove some of the spikes for us. So that by the end of the, the, the time that we've spent together, we are able to not only say, Holy Spirit, come into my life, but you are going to consume him and he's going to be part of every part of your life. Now, I also want to tell you, he won't force himself on anybody. None of you are forced to take this journey. None of you are forced to go any deeper. It's really your relationship. It's where you are at. God is patient. He is kind. He's gentle. doesn't force himself on anybody with anything. But I do want to encourage you to take this journey with us. I do believe it will be the best thing for your life ever. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church Audio Podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.